So welcome to the African History Network show. It is Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. We are live. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Uh, well, we got the breaking news story today that the House of Representatives passed the long-awaited John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Now, it's interesting that um, only uh, all of the Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the bill. All the Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the bill. We're going to uh, talk about uh, the passing of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act in the House of Representatives that took place today. And you had uh, Republicans who were friends with John Lewis. You had Republicans who talked about how sad it was when John Lewis died. But none of them could find it in their heart to vote for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and to restore the 1965 Voting Rights Act and restore the and restore the preclearance. The, the, the bill would require states with recent histories of discrimination to get federal preclearance to change their voting laws. OK, that would include states like Texas. OK, they wouldn't they would not be able to pass many of these voter restriction bills without preclearance from a federal judge if the John Lewis Voting Rights Act uh, passes. So no Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for this bill. We're going to talk about this. Then there was a, another explosive day of testimony in the R. Kelly trial. And each day it gets worse and worse. Okay, it's not getting better for R. Kelly at all. If you haven't been following, it's not, it's not getting better for him. Now, this is the prosecution presenting their case. The defense has not presented their case yet. Okay, they're doing cross-examination, but the defense has not uh, presented their case yet. But this does not look good. You had a, a second uh, accuser who goes by the pseudonym Jane, Jane Doe who was um, 17 years old when she uh, met R. Kelly. She's now 23. She testified uh, today that uh, R. Kelly had been grooming a male victim since he was uh, a young boy and that R. Kelly forced her to have sex with this male victim. The second survivor to testify in the R. Kelly sexual abuse trial dropped a bombshell allegation on tuesday morning while on the witness stand as reported by the huffington post jane doe the fifth of six uh jane does whose stories are included in charging documents told jurors that r kelly did have at least one male victim jane doe said that she was forced to have sex with a, a man R. Kelly referred to as nephew as punishment for breaking one of the singer's rules. So we're going to give a recap of what took place today. We also have a, uh, a recap of um, the uh, testimony on Monday, Monday's testimony. Candace Kelly from uh, Candace Kelly on the a black news channel was on the uh, morning show with Sharon Reed discussing this. 
And sometimes Candace Kelly and I are panelists together on Roland Martin Unfiltered when I'm on on Fridays. So we'll give an update on um, the R. Kelly trial. And this is, I mean, you know, after this, I don't, I, I, I hope nobody plays R. Kelly like at the family reunion or anything like that. Um, this is, this, this is, uh, this is some crazy stuff here. These allegations. So we'll discuss that. And then there was a story I saw back, uh, August 13th and, and I haven't had a chance to talk about it. You know, I was at the, uh, 38th annual African world festival at the Charles H. Wright museum of African American history, Friday, August 20th through Sunday, August 22nd. So we went on the air live Friday and Sunday. But we know in the U.S., we know that February is African-American History Month. But did you know that in Costa Rica, August is Black History Month in Costa Rica? Okay, now you may say, I didn't know there were African people in Costa Rica. Yes, there are. 8% of the population of Costa Rica are people of African descent. And August is Black History Month in Costa Rica. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. All right. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. The 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K E M E T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You sign up for our email newsletter there as well. Um, you can also at our website, you can uh, register for the uh, 10 week online courses that I teach uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Uh, we do that one on Saturdays, uh, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then also Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay, we teach that one on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's We do the classes live, all the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them over and over again. Okay, that's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll also post a link here as well. All right, uh, I want to jump into this uh, first story here dealing with um, the, the House of Representatives, dealing with the um, uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act. So uh, the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act today. Uh, the House came back from uh, a recess and they passed the sweeping voting rights bill named after civil rights legend, um, uh, John Lewis. Um, the, the vote was 219 to 212. Okay. The vote was 219 to 212. 212 Republicans 
voted no on the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Okay, I want people to understand this because Republicans consistently vote against bills that are beneficial to African-Americans. And then they expect us to turn around and vote for them, but they're not offering us anything. They consistently, they, 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 when you look at the John, when you look at the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed the House of Representatives March third, twenty twenty one, by a vote of two twenty to two twelve. Two hundred and twelve Republicans in the House of Representatives voted no on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay, so they consistently keep voting against bills that we advocate for and are beneficial for us. And then they want we're not voting for them. So now they want to push these voter restriction bills to suppress our vote. And they're not offering us anything beneficial to us for us to vote for them. So the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Advancement Act is what it's called, was approved 219 to 212. All Republicans voted against the legislation. Now, they, they sat up there and cried when John Lewis died. And on the anniversary of John Lewis, they put out tweets and said how much they missed John Lewis. And he was their boy and all this stuff. And, you know, they, uh, they you know, he was a great guy, things like this. And they, then they want to quote Dr. King. But then when it comes to uh, protecting the legacy of John Lewis and protecting the legacy of Dr. King, they vote no. They vote no. This is why these Republicans need to be voted out of office. See, you can't you 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 can't praise John Lewis on his birthday, or on the anniversary of his death, or on Bloody Sunday, March seventh. Okay, you can't praise Dr. King on Dr. King's birthday or on Dr. King Day, but then work the rest of the year to dismantle Dr. King and John Lewis's birthday. And, and, and when these when these Republicans like this, when these traitors or if they're or if they're backsliding traitors, Democrats that work in opposition to the legacy of Dr. King and, and, and John Lewis, when they vote in opposition to this, when they show up to the celebrations, to the Dr. King Day celebrations and things like this, we need to call their behinds out. See, 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 don't bring your trifling ass up in here if you don't want us to call you out, because we will. When you when you start calling them out and embarrassing them, when they come to the to the celebration and they want to speak, but the whole rest of the year you work to dismantle John Lewis's legacy and Dr. King's legacy and Rosa Parks' legacy, okay, and Septon McClark and and, and and Bernard Lafayette and and, and Kwame Ture and, and and Willie Ricks and all those involved, Lowndes County Freedom Organization. Uh, Bloody Sunday, all of that, the whole fight for the 1965 Voting Rights Act, 1964 Voting uh, uh, Civil Rights Act. When you work to dismantle that and you come to the celebration, we're going to light your behind up. We're coming up here on the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes. Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. 
Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustle Her Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. and policies that put us in this predicament is going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, August 24th, 2021, and we are live. Calling number is 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, uh, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show, also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, let's go back. I'm going to go back to uh, the story here that we talked about at the uh, top of the hour. Um, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act has passed the House of Representatives. It passed, um, uh, this one passed by a vote of, this was 219 to 212, I think it was. Um, yeah, 219 to 212, okay? No Republicans. Once again, I want people to understand all the black conservatives running around, uh, talking about get off the plantation, all this stuff, they can't justify stupidity like this, okay? All the black conservatives, Candace Owens and 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 Larry Elders running for governor in California all, all, and all the closet black Republicans, okay? Um, uh, and the ones that just came out the closet, all right? Um, uh, you can't explain stuff like this to me, okay? How you vote against something like this. So if we look at this once again, um, the vote was 219 to 212. All 212 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, including the two black Republicans in the House of Representatives. Um, the one out of Utah, Burgess Owens, the former football player, 
NFL player, Burgess Owens. And I don't know if Burgess Owens um, has CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I don't know if he if he has it, but he sure acts like he has it. Now, just just to take you back, if you saw the if you saw the House of Representative hearings on reparations, HR forty, the one they held on August twentieth, twenty nineteen, okay, the four hundredth year anniversary of uh, August twentieth, sixteen nineteen, in in Virginia, okay. Uh, Burgess Owens testified uh, at that reparations hearing, but Burgess Owens, who is African-American, at least phenotypically, he testified against African-Americans getting reparations. He's a, he's, a, he's a black Republican from Utah. Then you have Brian Donaldson, black Republican from uh, Florida. He voted against, he, he voted against, uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act also. Now, he also is against H.R. 40. He's against reparations as well. He's also married to a white woman. Okay, because I saw the interview, is an extensive interview that Roland Martin did with him on Roland Martin Unfiltered, and I'm sitting there listening to this guy, and he keeps talking about these bills he's voting against. All the bills he's voting against, African-Americans are for. H.R. 40, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, he voted against that. He's voting against the Voting Rights Act, all this stuff. Then I went to his Twitter page, Cause I'm listening to him. I said, this dude sound like he's married to a white woman. I go to his Twitter page and sure enough, he is. So even the black Republicans voted against the John Lewis voting rights act. He also, he also voted against he and, and Burgess Owens. They also voted against the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. That's even helping the poor white Republicans that voted to put them in office. The only Democrats voted for the American Rescue Plan. No Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that includes the $46.5 billion in rental assistance for renters and landlords. No Republicans voted for that bill. It includes the, the uh, earned childhood tax credit that is cutting child poverty by 50%. No Republicans voted for that bill also. I just want you all to understand, because these black Republicans running around who, get, who are getting paid by white people to con us to keep voting for white supremacy and keep voting for people who are trying to suppress our vote, they're not going to explain this to you because they get paid not to. So I just want you to understand this, okay? Go to congress.gov. Go to congress.gov and look up these bills and you can see who voted for the bills. That's where you go to read the bills and see who voted for the bills. Congress.gov. Bills coming from the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. You can go to congress.gov. Go look up HR 40 at congress.gov. It has 190 co-sponsors. 190 members of the House of Representatives have signed on to support HR 40. None of them are Republicans. I'm neither Republican or Democrat, but sure as hell ain't stupid. I can see who consistently keeps voting for bills overwhelmingly that are against us. I mean, that, that who keeps voting against bills that are for us. I see who keeps voting against those. And I see who keeps overwhelmingly supporting bills that we advocate for and are for us. So the bill is part, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is part of Congressional Democrats' broader campaign to strengthen voting laws at the federal level to fight restrictive voting laws passed in Republican-led states such as Texas and Georgia, such as Texas and Georgia, okay? 
you know, uh, Senate Bill 202 was signed into law by Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, who stole the gubernatorial election from an African-American woman named Stacey Abrams. It's suspected she's going to run for uh, for governor again in 2022. OK, we know that Reverend Raphael Warnock has to run for re-election. Uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock of Georgia has to run for re-election for that Senate seat that he just won this year because he's finishing out the last two years of a term. So he has to run for re-election in 2022. So in Georgia, they're trying to stack the deck because they're trying to suppress the African-American vote and Latino vote, uh, uh, Asian-American vote, etc. So uh, we're going to go to, I want to, in just a second here, I want to go to clip, um, Let me see which clip is that. Let me see what. I, uh, just a second, Shakira. Let me see uh, what I sent you. I want to go to this clip here. Um. Yeah, we're going to go to clip one. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill, Black News Channel, uh, House passes John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Okay, we're going to go to that clip in just a second. Okay, now. Let's continue here. Then we'll then, then we'll go to the phone lines. I want to go back to this article here from NBCNews.com. I want everybody to read this article, then go to Congress.gov and look up these bills. Okay. Now, this now, now even though it's passed the House of Representatives, 219 to 212, it, it, it faces a, a, a uphill battle in the Senate where Democrats hold a wafer-thin majority. A 50-50 majority in the Senate is not the same as a 60-40 majority in the Senate because most of these bills in the Senate, it takes 60 votes to pass. And because there are only 50 Democrats in the Senate, that means that you need uh, 10 Republicans to vote for these bills. All right. Now, the pressure needs to continue on this, the pressure either to alter the filibuster, because they're not going to do away with the filibuster altogether. They're not going to get rid of the filibuster altogether, not with this 117th Congress. Now, maybe the 118th uh, uh, Senate, okay, that, uh, after, the 2020, after the 2022 midterm election, maybe, but not right now. But the push has to be to alter the filibuster to allow either for a carve-out, allow for an exception, so you can get this bill passed with 51 votes, 50-50 tied, plus Vice President Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. Now, it's not suspected that any Republicans are going to vote for this bill, even though some say they will. We'll see. But you need 10. If, 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 you, if you have to get 60 votes in the Senate to get this bill passed, you need 10 Republicans. It's not suspected that you'll get 10 Republicans to vote for this bill. But you got, I think it was 19, to vote for the infrastructure bill. And even though we knew some Republicans were going to vote for the infrastructure bill, didn't think it was going to be 19. Even Mitch McConnell voted for the infrastructure bill. Because he knew those poor raggedy ass people in, in Kentucky that keep voting for him. He know they need some infrastructure. He knows that. But the voting rights bill is different. So uh, the House returned from its recess this week to take up the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a resolution for Democrats $3.5 trillion budget package. Nancy Pelosi got that done today as well. That passed 220 to, uh, 212. We'll talk about the we'll talk about the infrastructure uh, um, proposal that 3.5 uh, 
trillion dollar infrastructure uh budget plan we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show uh nancy pelosi got that one done as well that passed that bill passed uh that was two that was 220 to uh 212 for that one uh i think that vote was 220 to 212 okay and i'm trying to see where my article go on that one uh once again no republicans no republicans in the house of representatives voted for that bill yeah that was 220 to 212 okay we'll discuss that one some more on tomorrow's show now the procedural motion used to pass the multi-trillion dollar uh resolution paved the way for the house to vote on the voting rights bill which was reintroduced last week by representative terry sewell democrat from alabama african-american woman congressional black caucus terry sewell reintroduced this bill they got this pushed through in the house of representatives now the legislation the uh the john lewis uh, uh voting advancement act uh voting rights advancement act uh would require states with recent histories of discrimination to get federal pre-clearance to change their voting laws which directly addresses the supreme court's 2013 ruling in shelby county versus holder shelby county versus holder okay the um u.s supreme court gutted section 5 of the 1965 voting rights act which dealt with the pre-clearance and right at within 24 hours of that ruling in 2013 uh new states started passing new voter restriction bills all right and this is in in the 1965 voting rights act is directly tied to the mississippi state constitution of 1890 and the louisiana state constitution of 1898 and the mississippi state constitution of, of, of 1890 and we talked about it here on this show before they, they they passed the state constitution that in the state constitution it included poll taxes and literacy tests because the majority of the population in 1890 in mississippi were african-americans and african-americans were voting and we were voting people into uh we were voting people in the office state legislature and, and different things like this and they're trying to suppress the african-american vote in a state that was majority african-american mississippi and it was called the uh it, it was called the mississippi plan okay the mississippi plan if you read this article here from the washington post the mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890 we came here to exclude the negro this is directly this this what happened in 1890 in mississippi is directly related to the john lewis voting rights advancement act today in 2021 and the 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 white county judge who presided over this state constitution meeting his name was summon saladin calhoun and he said he put it bluntly what the issue was what they were there to deal with he said let's tell the truth if it bursts the bottom of the universe he said, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer because they're trying to suppress, they were trying to suppress the African-American vote in Mississippi in a state where we were, we, we were the majority population. Delegates, state delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and a poll tax geared to suppress the African-American vote in a state with a black majority. The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South 
part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. Okay, now this is after Reconstruction. Reconstruction ends in 1877. We just did, let's see, um, um, week before last in, in my 10-week uh, online course that I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, we dealt with the, the 1876 presidential election. Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican versus Samuel J. Tilden, the Democrat. This leads to the Compromise of 1877, which ends Reconstruction when Rutherford B. Hayes agrees to remove the Union troops out of the South that were enforcing the rights of African-Americans uh, to, to, to a certain extent. Remove the Union troops out of the South if Democrats allow him to become president, because neither Rutherford B. Hayes nor Samuel J. Tilden had enough electoral college votes to be, become president. So this is known as the Compromise of 1877, which ends Reconstruction and allows Democrats to fully take back control of the South and impose white supremacist laws. 1890, so, so we see Texas 1876, Texas, Texas State Constitution. We see 1890 in Mississippi. This is a continuation of this. Then we're gonna see the Grandfather Clause of 1898. We see the Louisiana State Constitution of 1898. All of this is, and then we see Pleasant versus Ferguson 1896, US Supreme Court case that uh, legalizes separate but equal. So we're going to see this reimposing a uh, wholesale of white supremacy and suppressing the African-American vote at the same time. All right. Now, uh, so read this article here from uh, the Washington Post. This uh, this article dealing with history directly ties to the passing of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act that took place today in 2021. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. Now today, their offspring, their descendants in the, in the Republican Party are doing the exact same thing. They're trying to exclude, they're trying to exclude the Negro, the Latino, the Asian American, the Native American, and white people who are more likely to vote for Democrats, white college students, many uh, elderly white people who, who will vote uh, by mail and vote for Democrats. They're trying to suppress all those votes. All right. Uh, I want to go to this clip here. This is from uh, uh, Mark Lamont Hill's show on the Black News Channel. He's talking about the passing of the uh, John Lewis Voting Rights uh, Act today in the House of Representatives. Let's go to clip one, uh, Shakita. As I always say, Black News Tonight starts now. Good evening and thank you for joining me on Black News Tonight. I'm Mark Lamont Hill. Some breaking news out of Washington, House Democrats passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. It went through on a 219 to 212 vote with no Republican support. The act would restore voting rights protections that have been destroyed by the Supreme Court. All power would be given back to the Justice Department, which would oversee new changes to voting laws in states. John Lewis is saying to himself up there and saying to all of us, you kept your eye on the prize. And the prize was temporarily taken when we passed this bill. 
But the prize will be taken when Joe Biden signs. But the measure does have a sketchy future in the chamber. Democrats there don't have enough votes to push the bill through, and Senate Republicans have already rejected the bill, calling oh. it unnecessary. All right, pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it faces an uphill fight in the Senate, but the but the battle continues. All right, uh, I want to go to the phone lines uh, quickly here. Let's go to, uh, let's see who we have here. Let's go to line one. Let's go to Buck, line one. Buck, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Hey, I'm calling from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Detroit, Michigan, okay, how you doing? Driver. I've been listening. Yeah, I've been listening to the station all day today while on my 11 hours. I, like, okay. I, like I really like your show, man. You because you don't only tell the issues; you tell us where to go find the issues. That's exactly. Ourself, and I think that's very important. Thanks you know for noticing. A lot of people will tell you the issues and tell you what they want you to think about the issues. Right. Now, people, you know, good, you know, substance with it. But I love it, man. Uh, I was just listening, and uh, you were talking about how no Republicans is moving for black. You know, anything got to do with black. You know what I mean? But that ain't no surprise. For, for, for the most part, yeah. When you look at these bills, yeah, for the most part, man. No, for the most part, no Republicans will vote for these bills. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, that, that's just, that's just the, the style of that politics, you know. Me personally, man, I, I'm not too big on Republicans or Democrats. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think they all really, I mean, in my mind, I believe they're all bought out, man. These corporations have been bought all these all of them out. And our power lies in our local governance. You know what I mean? More than in its federal government. I know there's power of federal government. Well, well, well local, local gets money from federal. The U.S. Census that we just got the results uh -huh. from, local gets money from federal. The U.S. Census that we okay. just got the results from two weeks ago is a reallocation of $1.5 trillion from the federal government to state and local government. Okay, and so local is important. City council, mayor, county executive, county commissioner, county prosecutor, governor, state legislature, all that's important. But they get money from, from federal. And they and, and, and they're impacted by laws set by the federal government as well. Everything from Medicaid, Medicare, you know, uh when you look at coronavirus, all right. The reason why a lot of governors had the imposed stay-at-home orders was because of lack of leadership from the federal government when Trump was in office. So it's all connected. The local is important, but local relies on federal. You see what I'm saying? So it's all connected. You know, I totally understand. I totally, totally understand what you're saying. I believe, I, mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think we have more control of local than we do of federal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You have more control of local, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I do believe that there's power at, there's powerful beings that actually tell this government what to do, and, and they're just like the puppet masters. That's who we vote in. But you notice we vote these people in. So nothing really changed if you really look at it. You know, Obama come in, Biden come in, Trump come in. You know oh, it's a whole lot of Trump reversed a whole lot of policies from the Obama administration. Oh, things got much worse under Trump. Trump reversed a whole lot of policies from the Obama administration. Everything, everything from from the Justice Department when 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 they reversed uh, uh, 
uh, uh, investigating police departments in the in the Trump uh, in the Trump administration when 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 uh, Jeff Sessions uh, backed off of uh, uh, in 2013 under. Uh, uh, Attorney General Eric Holder, he instituted the Smart on Policing uh, initiative in the Justice Department, where they backed off of uh, um, charging low-level nonviolent drug offense, uh, drug offenders with the longest, harshest sentences. When Jeff Sessions became Attorney General, he reversed that. Uh, under President Obama, the U.S. prison population dropped to its lowest point in 20 years in December 2015. It declined each year under the Obama administration. When 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 Jeff Sessions came in, because because see Trump was against police reform. Trump campaigned against right. police reform. Trump campaigned on law and order. Trump said the police don't need less power. He said they need more power. See and, and see when Trump was running in 2016, Trump also ran on that Blue Lives Matter platform because in 2018 he signed the Blue Lives Matter bill in the law. When you go through and look at and, and, uh, and when you go through and look at there's a lot of policies from the Obama administration that Trump reversed that are detrimental to us. One of them is dealing with environmental issues. There were 100 policies from the Obama administration that Obama either put in place or kept in place that Trump reversed dealing with environmental issues that are negative. And that ties into environmental racism. Yeah, you gotta know you gotta know where to look for this. There's a, there's an article from the New York Times that deals with a hundred policies, and they go through break down a hundred environmental policies that the Trump administration reversed. There's a whole lot. Then then we talk about the 225 federal judges that Donald Trump got passed through the to the Republican controlled Senate. Many many young white male ultra conservative judges, many of them 35, 36 years old. Many of them unqualified. The American Bar Association came out and, and deemed many of them unqualified in the Republican-controlled Senate, confirmed them anyway. There's a whole lot of damage done under the Trump administration. But keep listening, man. I got to get this other call. We only This show's only an hour. Uh, but keep listening. We'll be back tomorrow night, okay? Okay, keep listening. Also, I encourage people to go to whitehouse.gov and read the document, Progress uh, a progress of the African-American community under the Obama administration. Progress of the African-American community under the Obama administration. I deal with that uh, document in my lectures and things like this. Uh, and it goes through and shows you category by category how President Obama's policies benefited the African-American community. These are a lot of policies attacked under the Trump administration. We deal with the education department under Betsy DeVos, and we deal with how uh, under the Obama administration, they cracked down on predatory colleges like ITT, Tech, and Corinthian College that the Obama administration put out of business. And these predatory colleges were disproportionately targeting African-Americans and Latinos, getting them to take out exorbitant student loans. Then we go through the program. We get our certificate. We get our degree, whatever it is. We take out the student loan. Then they don't place us in, in jobs that have anything to do with what the, the course was that we took or the degree was that we got. Then we're stuck with this student loan and default on it. The Obama administration cracked down on them. They put in place a a, a loan forgiveness program. They shut down uh, uh, ITT Tech and Corinthian College, put other uh, predatory colleges on notice. When Betsy the boss came in, she slow walked the loan forgiveness program, loosened restrictions on predatory colleges. But at the same time, you got to remember, uh, Donald Trump ran a for-profit college called 
uh, Trump University, and he got sued by the attorney general in the state of New York for uh, 24, uh, it was like 24, 25 million dollars for running a fake university. And this and this is who Trump put in charge of the education department, clueless Betsy DeVos from Michigan, who had no business being secretary of, of, of education. And she got confirmed in the Senate by a Republican Senate. OK, this is where all this stuff comes together. Now, under the, under the Biden administration, they've gone through and strengthened those restrictions on for-profit colleges. They just, uh, uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel Cardona, the new secretary of education, just announced $5.3 billion in student loan debt that they're discharging, or about 320,000, 320,000, 320, um, disabled, um, students. But before that, it's, it's, it, it was a lot of, um, uh, student loan debt they were discharging for people who were victims of predatory colleges as well. That disproportionately impacts African Americans because we are targets for a lot of these predatory colleges. Okay, um, I want to go to, uh, we're going to uh, uh, flip over to uh, second topic here. Is this Rodney? Okay. All right, we're going, we're going to R. Kelly. Uh, try to get try to get Rodney straight, uh, Shakita, and uh, I want to go to uh, I want to go to clip number two here dealing with uh, the R. Kelly trial. Now this is a recap. This is this is from this morning. Um, uh, Sharon Reed uh, on the Black News Channel. She was speaking with uh, Candace Kelly, legal analyst Kelly Candace Kelly, and Candace and I are. Uh, sometimes co-panelists on Roland Martin and filtered um, more harrowing. This is clip two, Shakita. More harrowing testimonies surfaced during R. Kelly trial. Okay, let's go to this clip. More graphic testimony in the R. Kelly sex trafficking and racketeering trial. Yesterday, we heard from a woman who says the stigma sexually and physically abused her for five years. It started when she was 17. R. Kelly's former tour manager also finished his testimony. Uh, our justice correspondent, Candace Kelly, is here with us this morning. And Candace, uh, good morning to you. Morning. Let's begin with the tour manager. Yeah, Demetrius Smith, back on the stand, day two. Uh, what was he saying outside of the court that raised some eyebrows? Because he's raised a couple of eyebrows inside the courtroom, too. He certainly has. You know, he's taken great liberties to speak to reporters outside of the courtroom. And he has summed it up saying that he cared so much for Aaliyah and that in this situation, it was prosecutors, it was authorities who didn't do their job, didn't, did not do their job, that they should have known that Aaliyah was married, just like everybody else knew. They saw the marriage certificate over the years. They heard the rumors. And the authorities are the ones who should be in trouble here because they didn't do due diligence in their job to investigate until now. And now it's too late. So it's an interesting perspective that he's doing a lot of finger pointing, knowing that he was the one who did, in fact, get the fake ID, pay $500 in order for this marriage to even take place. If it wasn't for him, the illegal marriage would have not taken place. So he's outside, done on the stand, but outside trying to make a plea to the to plea to public opinion that what he did may not have been that bad because authorities did not do their job. 
Yeah, it's almost like the darkness within him is having an argument in his head with the light. You know, if there's any light left there. Um, inside the courtroom, uh, jurors got to hear from Jane Doe number five. Tell us about her because it was hard testimony, Candace. It really was hard to hear as she gave details of, of being forced to have an abortion. Yeah, forced to have an abortion. Um, you know, she was told by R. Kelly, I need you to keep your shape, so I need you to have an abortion. She was also forced to have sex with him before she auditioned. Jane Doe number five was already a singer, and like many of these girls, they had superstar dreams. She was singing. She was getting paid for gigs. She was with bands. She was already doing a little bit of what she had wanted to do and thought that R. Kelly could take her a step further, junior in high school. Mm -hmm. But listen, this is someone who got herpes from R. Kelly. Uh, she had to write damaging false falsehoods against herself, including that she had stolen money and that she'd been molested by false uh, by family members. These were things that R. Kelly would hold allegedly as collateral in case she did go out and say something to the world like she was doing right now. So just a lot of disturbing testimony that aligned too with what we already heard in terms of the rules that were laid down. She said that she was forced to urinate in a cup that she got from a gas station. So a number of things just put on display once again that mirror what we have heard, you know, on stand and also in documentaries and other shows that we've seen about R. Kelly. So not a lot different here, but just so disturbing to hear more of the same. All right. Hey, pause it right there, Shakita. Yeah, pause it right there. Most... Pause it right there. Okay, we're running out of time here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. Those watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African the African History Network and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. We'll continue uh, giving you an update on what took place today uh, in the R. Kelly trial. Now, uh, read this document here. This is at whitehouse.gov, whitehouse.gov. Uh, this was up during the second term of President Obama. I've talked about it numerous times on my shows progress of the african-american community during the obama administration is still there it was up during the trump administration trump didn't take it down he probably didn't know it was there this goes through and shows you step by step uh category by category how president obama's policies positively benefited the african-american community and a lot of these policies were under attack or totally reversed under the trump administration everything from the labor income poverty um, education, health. The, 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 when you look at the Affordable Health Care Act, the Affordable Health Care Act gave health care to uh, about 3 million non-elderly African-Americans who did not already have health insurance. The uninsured rate of African-Americans dropped to its lowest point in history because of the Affordable Health Care Act. And also the life expectancy rate of African-Americans extended to its, low, to, to its highest point in history. In 2014, life expectancy at birth was 72 and a half years for African-American males and 78.4 for African-American females, the highest point in the historical series for both genders, okay? So read this at whitehouse.gov, okay? And also uh, uh, fact sheets on the American Rescue Plan, the uh, job, the uh, national, the Federal Jobs Act infrastructure bill. You can read all that at whitehouse.gov. Um, and then also support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, and also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by, stand by.
okay um let me post this here see i did an entire lecture called um african-american resistance in the era of donald trump voter suppression reparations and how elections have consequences and i go through and break all this stuff down in that lecture all right okay so we got that we posted that link uh and, and see when you read something like that progress of the african progress of the african-american community under the Obama administration see the question i ask people especially in my lectures is how do we protect gains that were made if we're under the misconception that no gains were made this is why you have to study these bills this is why you have to study the impact of them because it's not just it's not just voting and getting bills passed is also we have to understand the concept of protecting gains that were made because there's always people trying to take things back away from you there's always things there's always people trying to take you back it's always people trying to reverse your progress because you have some people who deem your progress as a disadvantage to them and they're losing something so they're always trying to take you back so you have to understand how to protect gains that were made you have to vote keep voting people in the office who will protect bills, protect policies that are in place to benefit you and vote people out of office who keep voting to take things away from you, who keep voting against bills that are beneficial to you. You have to fire them. So we have to understand political self-defense. We have to understand how to attack and how to push legislation and bills and policies that are beneficial to us. And then also how to protect those policies that are in place. And that's why you that's why you want to go to Congress.gov and look at these bills and see who is supporting these bills. Who are the members of the House of Representatives? Who are the members of the U.S. Senate who are supporting these bills? Is, is your member of the House of Representatives supporting this bill? Are your two U.S. senators in your state supporting these bills? OK, so because if, if you see they consistently vote against bills that you're for, they need to be voted out of office. They need to be voted out of office. Okay, go to congress.gov. All right. Okay, uh, let's continue here. All right, now I want to go back to uh, this clip here. This is from the Black News Channel. Uh, legal analyst Candace Kelly was uh, speaking with uh, Sharon Reed on uh, Start Your Day on the Black News Channel. Candace Kelly is a legal analyst. We're uh, panelists together, uh, sometimes on Roland Martin Unfiltered. And she's talking about the, um, hold on. She's talking about the, um, she's giving the update on uh, what happened Monday, August 20. Third uh, in the trial. Okay, stand by just a second. Let me cue this back up. Gig. She was with bands. She was already doing a little bit of what she had wanted to do and thought that R. Kelly could take her a step further, junior in high school. <laughs> but listen, this is someone who got herpes from R. Kelly. Uh, she had to write damaging false falsehoods against herself, including that she had stolen money and that she'd been molested by false by family members. These were things that R. Kelly would hold allegedly 
as collateral in case she did go out and say something to the world like she is doing right now. So just a lot of disturbing testimony that aligned too with what we already heard in terms of the rules that were laid down. She said that she was forced to urinate in a cup that she got from a gas station. So a number of things just put on display once again that mirror what we have heard you know, on stand and also in documentaries and other shows that we've seen about R. Kelly. So not a lot different here, but just so disturbing to hear more of the same. Yeah, Candace, these are some of the most horrific allegations. We've both been doing this a number of years that it's not just a celebrity in trouble. This is horrific monster-like stuff. Um, how, how did she explain being able to stay out of school? That in and of itself seems like no easy feat. Right. You know, we have what are called truant officers here in New Jersey. I don't know what they call them down your way in Georgia, but these are people who, if you're not in school, someone is out looking for you. How she got away with it is that even though she did lie, saying that she was 18, when she did say she was 17 to R. Kelly, she said that he hit her, physically abused her, and then said, you know what? We're just going to get you into um, online schooling, homeschooling. And so nobody really missed her in terms of uh, whether or not she was going to school or not. So this is someone who spent five years with R. Kelly. She recently just got out of the situation. And, and so when we look at just kind of the responsibility of the school system or, or, or the parents, R. Kelly was taking <laughs> care of all of that in terms of crossing all of his T's to make sure that nobody found out that she was in the situation that she was in. She was going to school online. Candace, yesterday you, you said some things about the doctor who testified. I believe you told us he wasn't even getting paid by R. Kelly, just was um, yes. in fancy places with some fancy people. Now we've learned Northwestern Medicine is investigating the doctor. Um, he treated R. Kelly for herpes. What are they saying? Listen, Northwestern Medicine, it's no surprise that they would kind of take a look into this because this is someone who was, first of all, doing medical work for free, right? Um, he's associated with Northwestern Medicine. He is a professor there. And they said they're looking into whether or not there was anything that was done improperly in terms of the contract that he has with Northwestern Medicine and in terms of his role as a doctor. Here is someone who was taking care of somebody for decades at his home, not getting paid. He's been out seeing, smoking cigars with R. Kelly, been around the world with R. Kelly, no pun intended, with his song. Um, his wife mm. has also been out there with him going to concerts and just taking advantage of his stardom without even getting paid. So they're trying to see whether or not he acted in the best interest interest of his, of his patient. Patients being R. Kelly and also patients being the girls that he also examined at R. Kelly's home. Did he do as a doctor what was in the best interest of, interest of them? And a lot of people would say no, because he was there not even getting paid, enjoying the life, right? Um, but there were uh, young women who were, who were suffering right in front of him that he could see something was going wrong, and it seemed as though he turned a blind eye to it. So they have begun that investigation. Candace, I vote for a very short investigation. I mean, this is not going to be something that, you know, we need Congress to investigate. This should be a very, very short investigation by, by uh, the hospital. But thank you, Candace. Okay, so that is from um, Start Your Day with uh, Sharon and Mike on the Black News Channel. That's Candace Kelly, legal analyst, um, giving the update. Okay, that's from August 24th, 2021. Now,
let's go to uh, let me I was showing the um, recap of week one this is from New York Times R. Kelly's doctor explains the singer's herpes diagnosis we talked about this on yesterday's show uh, this is from the New York Times okay and this is their uh, R. Kelly trial key moments from week one so check this out in New York Times Let's look briefly here at this article from uh, Huffington Post. This is about what happened today uh, in the trial. Then I, then I want to go to this uh, other recap from um, Black News Channel. Uh, R. Kelly survivor says singer, quote, had been grooming male victim since boy was young. R. Kelly survivor says singer, quote, had been grooming a male victim since boy was young. Okay, this is reporting from HuffingtonPost.com from August 24th, 2021. Now, during the sex abuse trial, the Jane Doe, this person who's using the pseudonym Jane Doe, she's the, uh, the fifth of six accusers and the second survivor to testify in this trial. Uh, she said R. Kelly forced her to have sex with a man R. Kelly referred to as nephew as punishment for breaking one of his rules. Now, the, uh, and they have a warning here, the following story contains graphic descriptions of sexual abuse. Um, the second survivor to testify in the R. Kelly sexual abuse trial dropped the bombshell allegation on Tuesday, August 24th, Tuesday morning, while on the witness stand. Uh, Jane Doe, the fifth of six Jane Doe's who's stories are included in a chart in the charging in charging documents told jurors that r kelly did have at least one other male victim jane doe said that she was forced to have sex with a man r kelly referred to as nephew as punishment for breaking one of uh, r kelly's rules now after r kelly spanked her and two of his other girlfriends for breaking a rule Jane Doe told jurors that he sent uh, Jane Doe back to her hotel room for more punishment. Quote, he said that I was the uh, closest to him and I should have known better, end quote, she said. Uh, she went on to say, quote, he said he's been grooming, quote unquote, nephew since he was young like me. She said, adding that R. Kelly told her uh, quote, not to embarrass him, end quote, and please nephew sexually like she pleases R. Kelly. Now, Jane Doe said that Kelly came into the hotel room with nephew who was naked. R. Kelly took off his clothes as well as she said and started filming uh, nephew and Jane Doe having oral sex. She said R. Kelly instructed them on what to do, uh, what to do to each other as he filmed. Now, when prosecutors asked if Jane Doe wanted to have sex with nephew, she responded, quote unquote, never, adding later that, quote unquote, it was punishment. Now, it was not clear what year or where these alleged incidents took place. Jane Doe uh, says she was forced to have sex with nephew multiple times throughout her five-year relationship with R. Kelly. Uh, she's... Uh, she says she is the victim of uh she i'm sorry she is the second victim 
to take the witness stand. She says she met R. Kelly in 2015 at one of his concerts when she was 17 years old and he was 48 years old. She was 17, he was 48. Now her harrowing testimony began on Monday morning and she recounted graphic, sexual, physical, and mental abuse. Her cross-examination from the defense will continue uh, throughout the rest of Tuesday. Uh, they have uh, links here for uh, the National Sexual Assault Online Hotline or the National Sexual Violence Resource Center's website also. Check out this article here from uh, Huffington Post. Uh, R. Kelly survivor says singer uh, had been grooming a young uh, had been grooming a male victim since boy was young. Okay, all right. Now, uh, if we look at let's see here, um, we'll go to okay. We're off nine ten, so I have to cue this up myself. I was about to go to this next. I was about to tell Shakita go to clip three, but we're off the air. Uh, so I think you just up myself. Hold on. I want to go to this recap of uh, what happened in the trial today. Just a second here. Okay, let's go. Uh, this is the Black News Channel. This is uh, correspondent uh, Dre Clark uh, joins Nyara Hawk on The World Tonight. Uh, live from Brooklyn, New York, to give an update on today's testimony. Let's go to this clip. ...lies about parents and forced to have sex with other people as punishment. A second accuser takes the stand in R. Kelly's sex trafficking trial. BNC's Dre Clark is outside court in Brooklyn. Dre? Yeah, good evening. The woman who testified today prefers to be called Jane. She is now in her second day of testimony telling jurors about the abuse she says she suffered at the hands of singer R. Kelly. She says Kelly would oftentimes tell her that he bought her from her family members because they no longer saw any value in her and she didn't mean anything to them. She also testified that she first met R. Kelly uh, when she was uh, 17 years old in the year 2015, but she says she actually lied and told him she was 18. She was an aspiring singer and she was hoping R. Kelly would help her make it big in the music industry. But like the first accuser who testified last week, she says her connection turned sexual and she says Kelly then became abusive and very controlling. She said she had to have Kelly's permission to leave one room to go into another or to even use the bathroom. And if she broke any of his rules, she said there was physical abuse. On occasion, she testified that that he would beat her with a closed fist until she started bleeding. She also testified one time when she broke a rule as punishment, R. Kelly made her have sex with someone he called nephew. She says Kelly filmed the encounter with his iPad. She then testified that she stayed at R. Kelly's home in Chicago until late 2019, also telling the George that he gave her an STD and made her get an abortion. And she says Kelly trained her on how to defend him publicly. One of the more interesting moments in court was when she talked about being interviewed by CBS anchor Gail King. She says while King was asking her questions about R. Kelly, Kelly coughed 
which was a signal letting her know that he was in the room. She says, although at the time she expressed her support for Kelly, she was not being very truthful because all of her answers to King were very well rehearsed. Now, back here live, she also said that R. Kelly demanded that she call him daddy. Uh, but under cross-examination by R. Kelly's defense team, she also said on occasion that she would call him a papa bear. Uh, she says that the defense also questioned why she never sent any pictures of the injury she sustained in those multiple beatings, but yet she would send pictures to her family members and friends of photo shoots she attended with Kelly and other places sort of portraying them uh, as a happy couple. Essentially, Kelly's defense team is trying to paint Jane as anything but a truthful person. She will continue her testimony on the stand tomorrow. Reporting live in Brooklyn, I'm Dre Clark for BNC. All right. So that's an update from uh, Black News Channel, uh, World Tonight. Read the article also from uh, New York Times. Uh, New York Times has a uh, article on the testimony that took place today, Tuesday, August 24th. Woman says R. Kelly made her have sex with someone else's punishment. Okay, so read that uh, article as well. All right. Um, let's see here. Let me go to. Let's see on tomorrow's show. We'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the update going on with the black farmers and the uh, $5 billion in uh, loan forgiveness with the black farmers. There was an article from the Guardian dealing with that. Uh, also, we'll talk about uh, 3.5, um, the $3.5 trillion uh, budget proposal plan that uh, the budget plan that passed the House of Representatives today. We'll talk about that on uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, I want to try to squeeze this in here. Where is that? And this is dealing with uh, Costa Rica. So we all know that um, the month of February is African-American History Month. What used to be called Black History Month was started out as Negro History Week. Uh, but did you know that August is Black History Month in Costa Rica? Now, some people may not know that there are people of African descent in Costa Rica. Okay. And yes, there are. And a lot of it has to do with the uh, transatlantic slave trade. Okay. A legacy of the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, I came across this article back on August 13th. Travel nor you know, I monitor about 35 different news sources uh, on a daily basis, and um, it's probably increased to maybe about 40 now because I monitor the Miami Herald and travel, travel nor, and I've been subscribing to uh, some additional news sources. Um, August is Black History Month in Costa Rica. Here's what you should know. Here's what you should know. Uh, let's look at this piece here. Hold on, let me close some of this out. All right. So according to um, 
recent numbers from the national census. Um, 8% of Costa, Costa Ricans are of African descent and even smaller number uh, with 8% uh, of Costa Ricans are of African descent and, and even with a smaller number, Black History Month of Costa Rica is celebrated the entire month. Black History Month in Costa Rica is celebrated the entire month, okay? In just one second, let me, um, we're gonna come back to this in just a second. Let me, I need to cue something up here. Okay, let's try this. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Now, let's open this picture. Just a second. Okay, let's go back to this here. Now, 8% um, uh, of Costa Ricans are of African descent, and even with a smaller number, Black History Month in Costa Rica is celebrated the entire month of August. Now, half of the Afro-Costa Rican population lives in the province of uh, Limon, L-I-M-O-N, uh, located on the Caribbean coast where they have been celebrating Black History Month in Costa Rica for decades, where they have been celebrating Black History Month in Costa Rica for decades. Now, even before it, uh, even before it just recently became recognized nationally, um, Sadie Jordan, who's the founder of Soul Life Travel, S-O-U-L, Soul Life Travel, uh, this is the only black and woman-owned travel agency in Costa Rica. She told Travel Nor, uh, Nor, quote, 2018 is actually when Black History Month was made an entire month-long celebration. It used to only be recognized on August 31st. 2021 marks the first, first year, honestly, when the Costa Rican government has really stepped in and put a lot of money in backing and promoting this new, uh, this uh, backing and promoting this now a national event where they are planning to have poetry, music, art installations, and more to commemorate the to commemorate the contributions of African and Caribbean people in the area, end quote. Now, according to uh, uh, Vista Costa Rica, Costa Rica decreed August 31st as the Dia, de, Dia del Negro, the Day of the Negro, which translates as Black People's Day 
or Day of the Negro, but Black People's Day, Dia del Negro, which translates as Black People's Day in 1980, okay? Costa Rica declared, decreed August 31st as Black People's Day, Dia del Negro in 1980, before it was expanded to a month-long uh, celebration or month-long recognition. And let's flip over here. Okay, now. Uh, let's see, can we blow this up? All right, so this date was chosen in commemoration of the first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world. The first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world, which concluded with a ceremony in Madison Square Garden on August 31st, 1920. This, uh, uh, the discussions at the conference culminated in the publication of the Declaration of the Rights of the Negro peoples of the world, okay? The Declaration of the Rights of the Negro people of the world. And let me pull something up here. There was an article from um, the face to face Africa.com also dealing with the um, uh, Afro Costa Ricans as well. I'm going to try to pull up that article dealing with uh, Afro Costa Ricans. Okay, now this uh, conference was of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the UNIA, and is also going to be at this international conference that they're going to adopt the Pan-African flag, okay? Uh, that was August 1920. Uh, All right, now, the, the discussions at the conference culminated in the publication of the declarations of the rights of the Negro peoples of the world. Even... Even, uh, quote, even with limited money and limited backing, residents on the Limon uh, province have been making Black history an annual event and celebration where residents put on a large parade on the 31st of August, similar to Carnival, okay, um, said uh, uh, Sadie, uh, Sadie Jordan. She said, and let's flip back over here to this picture here. All right, now, she said, you will find a lot of people dancing, singing, which has been going on for the last 22 years. Afro-Costa Ricans will venture back to Limon uh, no matter where they are in the country to come back home and pay uh, homage. Uh, now, when uh, Sadie Jordan was growing up, she says she learned how Afro-Costa Ricans played a significant role in developing the country's infrastructure and economy. She said, quote, a small percentage of black Costa Ricans came as slaves. Most of the Afro-Costa Ricans came over as workers on the banana plantations and to work on the railroads. All the all the railroads, a lot of the banana plantations were worked there by the blood, sweat and tears of Afro Costa Ricans. 
they created this uh, beautiful community in Le Mans at a time when they uh, weren't allowed to venture off anywhere else in Costa Rica until 1940. They withheld a lot of their customs and Afro-Caribbean cultures and customs. And you see this in religion or food. You see this in their religion or food, end quote. Now, the food is extremely different on the Caribbean coast of Costa Rica, where you will find a lot of Jamaican influence, Jamaican influence, including coconut rice, jerk chicken and patties. For many Afro Costa Ricans like Sadie Jordan, even though they have celebrated uh, black culture for decades, she says national recognition of Afro Costa Ricans is long overdue. She said it was needed a long time ago, but better, but better late than never. The contributions of Afro Costa Rica, uh, the contributions of Afro Costa Ricans runs so deep. Okay. Now check out this um, article here from Travel Noor. Uh, August is Black History Month in Costa Rica. What you should know. August is Black History Month in Costa Rica. Here's what you should know. This is from August 13th, uh, 2021. Now, the there was a... Also here, look at this piece from pbs.org, uh, American Experience. This deals with the Universal Negro Improvement Association's uh, conference in 1920, August 1920, that uh, the uh, article from uh, Travel Noir referenced. Um, it talked about the date was chosen in commemoration of the first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world. The reason why they hold, the reason why originally they held Black History Month in Costa Rica on August 31st was in commemoration of the first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world of, of that convention uh, that took place in Madison Square Garden August 31st, 1920, okay? And that was a convention of the Universal Negro Improvement Association uh, founded by Marcus Garvey. This piece here from pbs.org, Public Broadcasting System, the 1920 convention of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, okay? And it goes through and, 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 and gives a brief synopsis of it, uh, of this convention. The Universal Negro Improvement Association's first international convention which Marcus Garvey called the first international uh, convention of the Negro peoples of the world opened in Liberty Hall, New York on August 1st, 1920. Approximately 2,000 delegates from 22 countries were present. Approximately 2,000 uh, delegates from 22 countries. Okay, they, they repeat. Uh, the convention met in regular sessions throughout the month and closed with ceremonies and festivities on August 31st, 1920. Huge parades were held through Harlem, New York, including one on August 3rd that featured UNIA officers in full regalia, uh, the uh, Black Star Line Band and Choir, the African Legion, the UNIA Band, the Black Crosses, 
the Black Cross nurses, contingents of delegates from the United States, Canada, the Caribbean, Central America, and West Africa, various uh, division, various divisional bands, and the UNIA Motor Corps. Okay, um, in just a second here. So this is showing the influence of Marcus Garvey in Costa Rica. Okay, so a lot of people don't know that they're African people in Costa Rica, people of African descent in Costa Rica. And this is showing the uh, influence of Marcus Garvey in Costa Rica, in, in Costa Rica. Now, the opening parade was followed by an exuberant mass meeting at Madison Square Garden. The audience for Garvey's speech was estimated at 25,000 people. The audience for Marcus Garvey's speech was estimated at 25,000 people. The convention adopted the Declaration of Rights of the Negro People of the World, one of the world's earliest and most comprehensive human rights documents. Marcus Garvey ruled the convention floor with an iron hand. He engineered the election of his hand-picked UNIA officers and his own election as provisional president of Africa. Okay, so uh, read the rest, read this uh, piece here. We know we talked about Garvey back on August 17th on Garvey's birthday. Um, read this piece here from uh, PBS.org, American Experience, the 1920 Convention of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the 1920 Convention of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. All right, and there's a uh, piece from uh, blackpass.org also that deals with um, Afro-Costa Ricans, I think is uh, one from Black Pass because we posted that recently. Not Black Pass, face to face Africa.com. Yeah, this one right here. The intricate history of black Costa Ricans who are who are only recognized as citizens in 1949. We may talk about this on tomorrow's show or sometime later this week. Okay. So this is connected to uh, Black History Month in Costa Rica. We've I've posted this article a few times on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Okay, the intricate history of Black Costa Ricans who were um, the intricate history of Black Costa Ricans who were only recognized as citizens in 1949. This is from uh, face-to-faceafrica.com. Um, this is from uh, October 2018, I think it is. All right. So we'll probably talk about this on tomorrow's show. Okay. Um, be sure to register for the 10-week uh, online courses that I teach dealing with uh, history. We have the new one from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We just posted a link here for this. 
Uh, each class, we go through and break down a 10-year period of history. Okay, each class, we go through and break down a 10-year period of history, starting in 1865, the last year of the Civil War, and we know slavery ends, shadow slavery ends in 1865. And we each class, we go through and deal with approximately 10-year period of history to understand what happened to us after slavery ended, the laws and policies put into place, our advancements, our setbacks, etc. We go through the Jim Crow era, Reconstruction, Compromise of 1877, Jim Crow era, Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896, uh, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement, okay? And uh, right here, click on Enroll. Uh, classes uh, on sale, $80, regularly $130. As soon as you register, you can uh, start watching the content. We do the class uh, live on, this is on uh, Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we do the classes live. All the sessions are recorded, so you can go back and watch it over and over again. Okay, so as soon as you register, you can watch uh, we have classes one through four already um things one through four already recorded all right and you can watch from around the world okay we have to get out of here remember at the african history network we focus on educating upon inspiring people of african descent throughout the diaspora and around the world uh you can support us through cash app dollar sign the ahn show through cash app dollar sign the ahn show through cash app also through paypal paypal.me forward slash the ahn show paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. This is our official cash app account. Dollar sign the EHN show, S-H-O-W. Uh, when you go to our cash app account, it'll, it'll say Michael and it'll show my picture there. These other two, these are fake African History Network cash app accounts. Okay, that's not me. All right. And then also do PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll come to forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music. Black history and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword. 
and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.